This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I had this friend of mine said, Come on, Pastor, come ride this roller coaster with me. And I said, I said, I don't think I fit in that roller coaster. One of those ones, you know, like Superman deal, you know. And I said, I don't think I can, I think I'm above the size limit. No, it'll be fine. I said, no, I'm telling you, I, I have outgrown that stage of my life. Pastor, come on, I guarantee it. And they begged me, and I got up there, and I got one thigh in the Superman. Come on now. I said, I have outgrown this stage of my life. Can I tell you that when you realize who you are in God, you're going to start outgrowing yesterday's garbage. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be better, amen. Man, God's good to us. Amen. Lots of great things happening. God's up to some really good things, and I just want to get into the Word tonight, and Father, I thank you for this day, and Lord, my, my, my inability is speaking to me now, but Lord, I ask for your ability. May your Holy Spirit move in this place, and Lord, I promise you that I will give everything that I have into this message, but I pray that you will manifest your power into our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. We will move forward in you. For your glory and your honor, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, we're going to just go briefly to Exodus chapter 30, and then we're going to end up in uh, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to just briefly to Exodus 30, and then we're going to come around and bring you a message tonight entitled, Raised Up, Raised Up. Tonight, as we, we prepare for this, I, I, wanna, I want to, to talk to you about uh, really what's happening is we're transitioning from our I Am series into what I think our next focus is going to be. We're making a, a journey now forward into what we're looking at here as a congregation. But Exodus chapter 30, in verse number 1, we're going to read the first three words, okay? The first three words, and then we're going to uh, find our way over to Genesis Exodus chapter 30, verse number 1 says, Make an altar. Let me say that again. Make an altar. I used to preach a message that when I was a young traveling evangelist was it's time to build an altar. God's had that series, that message on my, my heart and in my mind. And, and I, I honestly, I, I thought maybe I was going to go back and find that old message and preach that to you again, but that wasn't what the Lord had in place for us, but I want you to understand what is being said here, what the Scripture is saying about making an altar. You see, an altar is a way of saying that, God, I'm here, and I want you to do what you want to do in me. God, I, I'm here, and, and I want to meet you. I want you to change my life. God, I, I want to have an encounter with you. God, I want to build a place in my life. I want to, I want to create something that, that's not just me sending you a message, but I, I want to set up a time, can, for lack of a better way to modernize it, to say, God, let's meet and have coffee. See, some of you go, God doesn't want to, God doesn't drink coffee. No, God doesn't need coffee. Come on now. 
God never sleeps and God never slumbers. Look, there's the verse. Amen. But what I'm saying is, I'm not just saying I'll shoot you a text. I'm not just saying I'll give you a call. What I'm declaring is, God, I want to have a meeting with you. God, I want to have an encounter with you. Because when you make an altar, you're not just trying to get a blow-by move of the Holy Spirit in service that you feel the goosebumps on your arms and you shout a little bit during the songs. When you make an altar, what you're saying is, God, I want you to show up and I want to leave change. And so I believe that God's been speaking to us and, and that God's wanting us to make an altar in our lives. And we're going to talk about what that means in just a moment. But God's wanting us to make an altar in our lives that will mark significant places, okay? Places that we can come back to. We have spent the last several weeks studying a specific altar for our lives, a place that we must learn to come back to over and over again. The place of God's declaration over our lives. And I told you we're transitioning from one now into the others, but I, I want to come back around to that just a moment. The place where we are saying, God, I know this is significant. I know there's something there. I just can't stand the thought tonight that somehow these truths will become just something in your notes. I, I believe God wants you to make an altar with these. I, I believe that you're going to have to come back that every time the devil tries to tell you who you're not, that you're going to find your way back to the presence of God and you're going to remind yourself of the covenants and the promises of God about who you are. When the devil tells you that you're, you're worthless and that God couldn't care and that God's given up on you, I believe God's wanting you to come back around to the, come on now. Is it odd if I just preached for a minute tonight? You, you swam into church. Come on now. You didn't come to, to play games. You came to create an altar to experience the presence of God, to be touched by God, to be marked by who he is so that we can declare it with me one more time what we would inscribe on that altar. Are you ready? I am his child. Come on. I am loved by God. And I am pleasing to God. In Exodus 30, it says, make an altar. It is referencing the altar of incense. And priests were to burn incense there every morning and every evening. It was right by the Holy of Holies. It was right there in a connection spot, right beside the Holy of Holies. In fact, it was right in front of the curtain that it was so close that you, it was as close as you could get to the presence of God. It was as close as you could come. And if you want to get any closer to God, what you were going to have to do was literally enter into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus has made a way for us to do that. But you had to come via the altar. And I, this is not even what I'm supposed to say right now, but I'm going to tell you that God sent me with a message to somebody to stop being satisfied with somebody else's altar. We've sung their songs that they got in their presence of God far too long. It's time for us to build our own altars and let God pour truths into who we are and us get in the presence of God. Us go deeper to where God is. To stop just hoping somebody can spoon feed me a little bit of Jesus and come on in because he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if you will open, I will come in. Come on now, and I will drink with you, and I'll spend a little time with you, Jesus said. Come on now. That's back around to having coffee with Jesus right there. Come on now, amen. He said, I'll come in and spend a little time with you. We're going to get to know each other. 
As we begin this study, my challenge is that, that you will become determined, listen to me, that you will become determined that every day to make an altar, every day to find your way to an altar, where, where is your altar? Is your altar somewhere maybe at the foot of your bed? Is your, and, and I have two altars, come on now, that I like to go to to pray. I have my prayer chair and I have my, my ottoman of my prayer chair. Listen, when I turn to the prayer chair, my prayer chair is cushy and comfy. When I need to spend a lot of quality time with God, I just bury myself down in that prayer chair. I just, I get way down in there, and that's my cushy and comfy prayer chair, and I, I, I'm telling you, I can get a hold of God at that prayer chair, but ever so often, I, I don't need cushy and comfy. I need a move of God, so I flip around, and it's not comfortable laying up on that ottoman, but I'll, I'll lay up on that ottoman, and I, I'll start crying out to God. I'll start calling upon the Lord, so I, I literally have two altars, one for where I'm having regular communion, and one when I need heaven to move. And I don't know what your altar is, but maybe it's you gathering with your spouse at the table every day during these next few weeks and you say, uh, you know what, we're going to make an altar. We, we want God to move. Can I tell you, when you want God to move, he's liable to move in your family. God's liable to show up and do something amazing for you. God will begin to do. Pastor Don, I, I just don't feel comfortable praying like that. Well, I'm trying to invite you to step on in a little bit further and come into God's presence for yourself. Come on, man. You see, this build an altar. Make an altar that you'll come to. Listen to me. I'm going to encourage you not just in the morning, but go back at night. If you want to get serious and do it, Daniel, style of prayer, go in the morning, go in the noon, and go in the evening. But make yourself an altar. As we begin to move forward in these, these things, as we're making these altars, these words at the beginning of Exodus 30, make an altar. Make an altar every day. Kneel before God. Let's get a hold of God. Let's be determined as a church. You're going, Pastor Don, why, why do you feel so impassionate about this, this shifting of this series? I don't believe God sends a truth like who you are in him without inviting you to come to a new place. I don't believe that God's sin is a, what I believe to be one of the most revelatory message series in the history of this church. I don't believe God brought these truths into our lives for us to stay down here where we are and not really believe like we can live up to who God says we are. But I really believe that if God said this is who you are and we'll make an altar and begin to expect a move of God, that God will begin to pull us up to that new place and God will begin to elevate us to who he's called us to be. Because an altar is where God will make alterations on your life. Come on now. Some of you are like, wait a minute, Pastor. I already, I'm doing good. I don't want God to mess with my life. That's the problem. You are happy with where you are. But when you get in the presence of God, the very first thing you'll notice all throughout the Scripture, when they got in the presence of God, they realized how far they were from where they needed to be. God's looking for somebody who's not afraid to come to the altar. And you might not like what you see. I had to confess that today with a couple of my friends. Uh, this morning at altar time, God let me get a glimpse of my heart, and it was not pretty. It was not something that I was proud of. 
God started showing me some areas of my life that need to be worked on. And somebody's going, Pastor Don, is it, do you think it's okay for you to tell us this? Because you're supposed to be the one leading us in the charge. You can't lead people in a charge if you're not honest with them. You can't take people somewhere you're not willing to go yourself. You can't move people forward. And if we all begin to realize we need God to change who we are. But Pastor Don, we're a church where God's power flows. Listen to me. We haven't begun to touch what God wants for this church. God's looking for somebody who'll say, change who we are so you can move through who we are. Amen. Praise God. You see, sometimes we have to remember what God has promised because that's the only thing we have to hold on to. Sometimes in your life, you come to an altar to remind yourself that what's going on around you is not who you are, but God has promised who you are. God has spoken into you. He, he created you for a hope and a future. And though hell itself may say, I have a hold of you, you come back to the altar and say, you don't understand. My God's going to meet me at the altar and he's going to remind me that who really holds me. Come on now, amen. Let me just take you on an example. Let's go to the life of Abraham. Before he was ever known as Abraham, he was led on a journey somewhere. He did not know where to do something. He did not know what. Surrounded by people and customs that he did not know. Let me say that again. God led him somewhere he did not know where to do something he did not know what. Surrounded by people and customs that he did not know. What, he, what did he do to help him find his footing when he did not no familiar ground. I didn't know I was going to stop here and preach, but I feel like I need to for just a moment. Some of you have lived under shame's doormat for far too long. You don't even know how to live free. You're afraid if you don't go back to yesterday's struggles and you don't go back to the, you won't even recognize yourself. Can I tell you that God's called you from out of where you were to somewhere better to do something you don't even know what yet and you're not even going to understand how yet. But when you make an altar, God's going to build you into the person that can thrive there. Listen to what happened in Abraham's life. Genesis chapter 12, verse number one says this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, that's what, that was his name before the, 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 the promise. The Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Let me just stop there and say, we're used to people moving around and moving to other countries and moving to other states, but this was not normal in this time period. And he said, all right, we're going to break the normal. Can I tell you, if you do what generations of your family have done, you will reap the same harvest of what generations of your family have done. If we do what generations of churches have done, we will reap the same harvest that generations of churches have reaped. But if we will build an altar and become determined to open up heaven and to shake the very throne of God with the praises that are lifted up out of this place, then God will do something that other generations have not experienced. And I have the word of God, for in the last day he will pour out out signs and wonders. Come on now. And, and the word tells us that the former rain shall not compare to the latter rain. Amen. I feel this in my heart tonight. But you've got to make a determination. I want God to come and meet with me and help me live up to who he says I am. Because here's what he told Abraham. He said, he said, Rob, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. How many of you want to be a blessing? Come on now. Amen. How many of you are tired of being a curse? Come on now. Amen. I'm ready to be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. 
And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Come on now. Amen. God's speaking to us. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And then Abram, I don't know why, I always stop there and realize, you know, that God told Abram's father to go on this journey, and he went a little ways and stopped. But God then came to Abram and said, now you go, well, you go the distance. So many generations will go part of the way, but they won't go all the way. God's looking for somebody who's willing to go all the way. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Okay, so it's a, it's a rough situation, all right? But then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, listen to what he said. He said, don't focus on where you are and what you don't understand and all the problems going around you. He said, listen to me, Abram, <clears throat> to your descendants, I will give this land. I want you to notice this. He said, I'm going to fulfill my promise inside of you. Can I remind you of Joshua chapter 1? He said, if you will honor me, you will study my word. You will follow my commandments wheresoever that you put your foot. It shall be yours. He commanded him. He said, be thou not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Why? Because he said, when you get concerned about the things of God, I'll fulfill my promises in your life. Come on now. But notice what happened next. God told him, this is the promise. Notice this now, and watch this. And there he built, what? An altar to the Lord. There he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent there with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And he called on the name of the Lord, so Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now I found that interesting. That every time he came to a place that he didn't understand, and every time he came to a place in a culture that he didn't know how to overcome, and he didn't know how to thrive, he didn't go in and try to mimic the culture, and he didn't go in and try to win the culture over. He went in and he built an altar. Can I tell you that I'm trying to not sound pessimistic about our motives and our, our methods, but what God's looking for is a people who stop want to copy the world so the world's comfortable with the church, and he's looking for a people who will build an altar and have a move of God come down, and it will change, not trying to embrace the culture, but see the culture change. Come on. He couldn't change it. But listen to me carefully. But trust is doing what you can do, not what you can't do. He could not change the Canaanites. He could not influence them. He could not bring them to what they needed to be doing to follow with him on the journey. But what he could do was worship God in the middle of that situation. He could honor God in the middle. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? That's what God's looking for you to do in your neighborhood and on your job and in your family. Stop trying to fix all of them and start inviting God into the scene because when Jesus showed up, everybody got healed and everybody got delivered. But Pastor Don, you don't know how bad my family is. No, you don't know how big and bad my God really is. Because when he walks in, every demon has to fall. Come on now, amen. Somebody goes, God's bad? I'm talking like an 80s person. Come on now. What do you say, bad to the bone? Come on now, amen. 
I was waiting for somebody to do the, the baseline of that. Amen. You see, when you think about loading everybody up and going to a place that you don't know, having been spoken to by God, you, to go to a place that you can't see, it's, it's disconcerting. But all you can do is trust God. All you can do is know that if God's with you, it's going to work out. And why build an altar? Why have a place you can honor God no matter where you go? Are you ready for this? Because altars are about transactions. They're not just about hanging out. They're not just about, why don't you swing by the altar and get a little touch? Altars are about, are about doing business with God. It means I, I'm here. All right? I'll never forget, I'm, I'm in, in Ashama, Africa, and in Ashama there, we've got a man that's, that's dying. He's, he's in, in critical condition while I'm dealing with people here at home. It's severe. It, it's been bad for days. He's, he's a, a, a person we brought with us from here to there and from our community here to over there with us on the team. And he's, he's dying. He's, he's in really bad shape and it's a horrible experience. And, and, and I'm calling his family. And as I was on the phone with that poor man's wife, uh, uh, he went into a seizure convulsing and screaming. And the moment the, that the screams filled that phone, the terror that filled that that distance across those lines was was tangible tangible and I'll never forget that day and Rich was there with me I mean you can't forget that day it's marked our our lives and I'll never forget that day because as I I'm standing there and and they're just saying bring my bring my husband home and I'm like I don't know if your husband is going to make it home is what I want to say but I'm like well you just need to pray you need to keep trusting God and as I I'm standing there and I'm going God I I don't know what you're going to do I don't know how you're going to move in this God I I know what needs to be done and no one will listen and I mean literally a, a doctor friend had, had said you need to get them to do this and nobody would listen on that continent and I'm I'm just crawling out to God and I don't know what to do and, and all of a sudden that this little man walks up to me and this little man looks at me and, and I thought he was somebody that was about to beg for something because in the culture of the area and he looks at me and he sticks his finger up in my face and he said I'm a prophet of God I wanted to look at him and say this is a non-profit moment come on now amen but he said I am a prophet of God and I said all right Prophet of God, what's going on? He said, God sent me here to pray for so-and-so back in here. It's been in a car wreck. And he said, then I'm going in that room right there to pray for that, that man of God. First off, I don't know how he knows who's in there at this moment. But I looked at him and I thought, okay, right. I said, well, you're going back there and pray for them. And I thought, there's not a chance on this planet you're going to go in there with that guy. And, and so I walked back in and, and he goes into another seizure and it's awful. And, and, and Rich and a couple of the guys that were, were in there while we were taking breaks, they go out for just a minute. And, and in just a little while, they come back in to give me another break. And when I walk back out, I mean, I am, I am done. I am through. And all of a sudden, I don't know where he came from, but that little man showed right back up beside me and, and he had, his eyes looked extremely different. And there was like a, a power in what he said. And he looked at me and he said, I told you I'm a prophet of God. And I said, all right, Bubba, prophet of God. He said, you don't understand. 
He said the man that's in there, the pastor that's in there, cut a covenant with God before he ever came here. And when he cut a covenant with God, Jehovah God will not forget the covenant that he's made. And what you don't understand in the story was, before we got on the plane at the airport, the pastor told me, he said, I'm about to go under. I'm being attacked on every side. He said, but for some reason, I went down into the woods and I literally built an altar. And when I built an altar in the woods, I cut a covenant with God. And God told me everything's going to be all right. Come on now. And all of a sudden, that little prophet looked up at me. He said he's got a covenant, and God will not let him die. When I walked back through the door, this is going to sound funny, but this is exactly what happened. When I walked back through the door, after that moment, there was a fire inside of me because I had a word. Can I say it again? I had a word because somebody had been to an altar. And I walked back into that room. And when I did, it was like every devil in hell just shook that man. And he literally went into a seizure again and came up off the bed. And I don't know what come over me but the Holy Ghost. And I ran over, and he had been unable to respond. He, he was in these seizures. It was, it was, it was, it was a fit. It was all. I ran over, ran over to him and I grabbed him midair. And I went WWE on his head. Come on now. I'm telling you. I grabbed him and I went, whoa, boom, just laid him on the table. He shook himself, and his first understandable words in about a day and a half came out of his mouth. He said, Pastor Don would not hurt me. I said, no, I'm not going to hurt you, but you shall live. And in about 30 minutes, he was sound asleep. And by the next morning, he was sitting up and in his right mind. Can I tell you something? It's all because he went somewhere and he made a place to do business with God. You can't have a transaction with God that God doesn't honor. Come on now. I'm talking about a God who heard you when you cried. I'm talking about a God who answered your prayers. I'm talking about a God who will be faithful even when hell itself thinks it's shaking the life out of you. Mark it, put it down. God's still God and God's still good. And you can count on him when you build an altar. Amen. Why don't you give him a praise like he deserves? Amen. That was not in my sermon. That's free. You see, it's a place where God wants to do business. It's a place where God wants to imprint something on your soul that when hell tries to shake you, you can come back to it and say, you don't understand. God's already told me I'm his child. God's already told me I'm loved. God's already told me that I'm pleasing to him. And I don't care what the waves sound like. My God is the one who still speaks calm to the storm. Sometimes you need a place to go back to. Many times I've gone back to the altars of my life, the place where he saved me, the place he called me, the place he filled me with the Holy Spirit, the place that he began our ministry. I go back there and I remember why I am where I am and why I do what I do. And I don't know how many times I've sat right over there on that corner. I don't know why that corner, but I sit on that corner when I don't feel like going on anymore. And I'll look up to God and say, God, I didn't ask to come here. I didn't want to come here, but you sent me here. And God, I need you to show up right now. And can I tell you, for 27 years, he's never failed to show up right on time because he's a faithful God who's looking for somebody to trust him. Amen. Amen. So how are you going to build an altar? You see, an altar is a place that we establish identity. It's so easy to 
wonder off of who God's called you to be when stuff happens or we get discouraged. But when we come back to the place and say, this is where he met me, there's a peace that comes to your life. How are you going to build that altar? And I tell you, the base of the altar needs to be a biblical word called covenant. Covenant. We talk about contracts and litigations, and I'm going to sue somebody, or we had an agreement. But covenant is an interesting word. In the Hebrew, covenant is used almost 300 times in the Old Testament. Its corollary word in Greek in the New Testament is used 33 times. The idea of covenant is a binding agreement between two parties built upon trust. We all understand about agreements. We all understand about promises. We all understand about oaths. We, we all understand these things, but we, we don't really understand the, the root of what a covenant is. Because you see, covenants go both ways. Covenants are not just one side holding the other side, but a covenant is where two people enter into trust and something's happened. You see, in the Scripture, there's a, a particular kind of covenant that I want you to notice is the time for at an altar. This kind of covenant, I want to give this to you accurately, had to do with one specific uh, side of the covenant. It was a covenant between an a, a average person and someone of royalty. When the, they would overcome the people and defeat the people, and, and there would be a great victory, and the people who were conquered would be brought before the king and the rulers and the royalty, they would make a covenant with the one who had been conquered. I want you to notice this. And it went something like this. This is what they said. We are not going to kill you, but you will have this covenant and you will live according to this covenant exactly as I say. I'm reminded of, of the Gibeonites who tricked the Israelites. And, and so when they said to them, we're not going to kill you, but you're going to forever be those who cut the wood and, and, and faithfully bring the wood to us. And, and you're going to be uh, servants to the people of Israel. We're going to let you live. But this is the conditions by which you shall live. These are the conditions. This is how it is. You're going to work and you have two options. Are you ready for this? You can either accept it or you can reject it, but you can't change it. When royalty would make the conditions, you can either accept it, you are welcome to reject it, but you cannot change it. I need to preach this message, but I've got to tell you, I've got to jump on ahead. You can either accept that you're God's child, that you're loved of God, and that you're pleasing to God, or you can reject it, but heaven and hell cannot stop God's promise in your life. You cannot change who God says you are. Come on, amen. God has chosen you. God has called you. God has favored you. And if heaven and hell tries to push you out, you need to understand something, that God holds you in his hand. You need to hold on to his hand. Can I get an amen? Whew, I feel Jesus. Amen. Anybody in here ever try to negotiate with God? But Lord, what about? What if? Well, many of you may remember. Timon and Mindy, Timon that played on the stage for so many years, their little boy Derek, you know, they lived with us at our home for about a decade there. And their little boy Derek, I'd say, now Derek, look, we're not going to do this, buddy. And he'd say, but, but, but pastor, what, what about if, if this? 
And I said, no, but we're not going to do that. He said, but, 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 Pastor, what about? It was, what about? And I'd say, we're not going to change it. Because that's not safe for you. That's not good for you. Look, Bubba, you can either accept it, you can reject it, but you can't change it. No matter how much we try to, but God, you understand. I have to tell that story tonight. I, I don't really want to tell that story tonight, Lord. Silly little story, but the church I was raised in, there was certain activities you weren't allowed to do. I'll never forget, I was a first grader in school, and I wanted to do an activity that our church said was sin. And I remember going to my mom and dad and saying to them, can I go do that? And my mom and dad were real smart about it. They said, well, you know what we believe? I said, yes, I do. They said, why don't you go upstairs and talk to God about it for a minute? So I waddled up to my room. Come on now. Got on my little six, seven-year-old knees. I talked to God. God, please, please, God, please, God. I want to go do God, you won't mind just this one time. I don't know. I guess I got distracted. I came back downstairs a little while later, and I, I'll never forget which, I don't remember which one of them said it, but they said to me, well, did God say anything to you, son? I said, yes, he did. And they said, what did he say? I said, he said it'd be okay just one time. <laughs> Can I tell you he didn't say that? But most of us want to live that way. Like I'm the exception to the rule. But when I make a covenant with God and I build an altar, what happens when I get there, watch this, is he starts showing me where I'm compromising and trying to get away with just the one time. I'll tell you that phrase that's just rocked my world this year. If you want to live clean, you, I mean, if you want to stay clean, you got to live clean. You can't stay away from the altar. You need to be getting in the presence of God. Now listen, listen. I, I want to give you a, 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 something that I discovered today, and I, I just as I was studying, I want to, I want to just read this to you. You're going to have to be intentional about building the altars. You're going to have to uh, be be uh, very focused upon building those altars of covenant. But here's the thing that I want you to realize: that in the Scripture, when it talks about building an altar, the verb that is used in most of the text which says it this way. It doesn't say build an altar, but it says raise up. If you were to translate it correctly, it was raise up an altar. Okay? It's not something we're building, but it's something that we're, we're raising up. It means built in both the Greek uh, and, and the New Testament, and it, or it means basically the same, but it is a transactional moment that something is being raised up. That God comes alongside us and causes something to be raised up. You are participating and he is raising something up. It is interesting because the same verb that is used for raising up the altars in the Old Testament is the equivalent verb in the New Testament where it says God raised up Jesus from the dead. Now listen, what, listen to this. So the link, if you will, 
the hope of the resurrection, the hope of what happens when you engage God in particular ways at set places, at set times, and you come back to where you are with God is the very same vocabulary, the same thing that God was doing in Abraham, the same thing that God was doing uh, in, in those who would go and raise up an altar. It wasn't something that God was saying, now I want you to fix yourself and make yourself better. But when they entered into the reminder of the promise and they began to raise up that altar with God, God was causing something to rise up and be established there. What I've been trying to tell you through this last series, and I'm trying to get through your head in this series, is God didn't call you to build yourself into some kind of image that you think looks better. God called you to let the Holy Spirit of God remind you who you are. And as you come back to the places of honoring Him, He's raising up a child. He's raising up a love vessel. He's raising up one who is pleasing to Him to show the world what happens when you work with God instead of against God. Can you give me an amen for that tonight? That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.